The cat's out of the bag, and the Sox are still undefeated in spring training. You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to welcome you back into the Lockdown Red Sox podcast, and thank you so much for making Lockdown Red Sox your first listen of every single day. I'm your host, Jake Nizuski, and here, as always, with my co-host, Nessun's Lauren Willand. Did you like that open? <laughs> that was that was good. That was good. My dog <laughs> did not like that. She hates cats, but very yeah, clever. Roxy, Roxy's ears probably went up, and she's just <laughs> like, wait, cat, cat? But yeah, the Sox had a little bit of a friend on the field uh, in, in yesterday's game. Uh, and it was funny to sort of hear the commentary of Dave O'Brien and Kevin Euclid. I It's going to come nowhere close to, obviously, the, the uh, memorable pizza sort of situation with Don Orsillo and Jerry Remy. But it semi-reminded me of it with the commentary with also TC as well in there. Almost got his head taken out. Yeah, it's it's funny when animals get on the field, whether it's, you know, cats. We've seen cats before in MLB and NFL games and just it's just funny when people react because it's just it's we don't see it that often we we see it like kind of frequently lately but it's it's fun it kind of just adds you know some excitement or maybe even some like more personality that you don't get during a, a baseball game from commentators and you have to go on the fly I mean there is nothing you can't prepare for that and no. you just gotta you gotta go with it it's like when fans go on the field and there, I can't remember who it was, but there was one guy got on the field of football game and the commentator was like, this man is drunk. And there he goes. And it's like the funniest <laughs> thing. And I'm just like, every time I see like a cat get on the field, I'm like, I wish someone would be like, that cat is drunk. And there he goes. It, it would be great. <laughs> that's funny. And, you know, th that's one thing that I, I noticed at least about that that time with, with the cat is he was flying all over the place. He, he didn't care where he was. He was jumping up and down. It was also funny to sort of see sort of the fans reaction, which I, I, I sort of tried to put myself in their shoes of it jumps right into the stands and like, wait, is this thing rampant or is it okay? Like, <laughs> is it yeah. going to attack me? I know. Well, there's a lot of, I know like <laughs> NFL arenas have cats to kind of keep rodents at bay and try to keep them, you know, out of the arena. And that's going to be impossible when the, it's big as they are. But I, I don't know if, if MLB stadiums do that, but I don't know, maybe just cat that got lost and wanted to uh, maybe want to take in a baseball game. It's beautiful weather down there, so I don't, you know, I don't blame the cat. Want to get get catch some baseball? Yeah, exactly. Definitely enjoying that nice weather. I'm very excited. About to fly out down to Fort Myers. Luckily, going to be seeing the Sox on Thursday and Friday. So, uh, you know, I, I'm going to be making an episode of my experience down there uh, with, with my good friend Jamie Gatlin. But we saw the Sox continue their winning streak now, three and zero during spring training. And Tristan Cass has put on absolute show, two for three, three RBIs and a home run. And it seems like he's continuing to look more comfortable by the day and obviously only spring training but at the same time nice to see him starting off on the right foot yeah and we've said this right like it's it's important to have a good spring training we never want to see anybody be bad during spring training especially someone like Tristan Casas who has a big season ahead of him he's got a lot of hype around him and he has a lot you know a lot to to fight for going into this season so it's really good to see him just kind of get into this groove. He's hitting bombs. He's looking really comfortable at the plate. And hopefully that translates into regular season games. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't. 
But it's really good to see him get off to the start, especially, too, with those reports that came out last year that he may or may not have ruffled feathers with his routine and he had to make some adjustments to his pregame routine. And to see it just right now, it doesn't look like anything is, you know, bothering him or kind of messed up his that that pregame routine still looks pretty good and then his like little crow pose or whatever after the game uh, the dude is just unapologetically himself and I love it and the, if he can continue to do what he's doing in spring training into regular season games be weird man bring the weird and that, that's the other thing too I think it fits so well with not only this team but I, I guess the future of the team as well too you know uh Alex Verdugo obviously always exudes tons of personality and energy still with the club under control for the next year or so obviously Devers for the next 10 years and Devers at times like uses his goofiness as well and so especially you know with, with looking at this future core of the Sox, it'd be nice to see, you know, Verdugo, uh, Cassis and Endeavors sort of exude sort of that personality and energy down the line and, and use it to, you know, make lightness in the clubhouse and, and make it fun at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing, especially after last year, you do want to see the players have fun and, you know, kind of just be themselves, but you also want to win games. And right now the Red Sox are doing both. Yes, it's spring training. Yes, these games don't matter. But this is good to see, especially after how last year ended and how this offseason went. There's a lot of unhappy fans, and understandably so. There's a lot of you know pessimism going into this season. But to start spring training on this kind of note is definitely encouraging. And now it's March. So regular season games start this month. They have about four weeks to go, and let's keep, let's keep this train rolling. Let's go right to the regular season on a high note. And, you know, even though these wins don't correlate to regular season or, or help any team sneak into the playoffs or win a World Series, but if the Sox win a grapefruit title, that'd be pretty <laughs> sick. You know, they did it in 98, 99, and in 2018. And last time they won the Grapefruit League, 2018 had a pretty good season. So not to say that that correlates to anything in the regular season, but it'd be nice to see the Sox hoist up a trophy at least once this season. That'd be cool. That w- it would be, it, it would be, I mean, like it means nothing, but it would just be nice to have some sort of, you know, ch- quote unquote championship <laughs> with the Red Sox. So we will, we'll see. I mean, it's a good start. It's a great start. Right. So now it's just a matter of taking that and taking what they've done in the first three games. It's only three games, but keep that momentum going and keep this kind of, you know, keep the high that you're riding on, especially now with the world baseball classic about to start, mm-hmm. but let's, let's keep the, let's keep the vibes good. Let's keep the the momentum high and keep getting these wins because at some point they will translate into regular su- season success, but you know, they have to, they have to keep going. They have to keep doing what they've been doing and make sure that, I mean, there's, there's always going to be some sort of issue, right? That whether it's losing streaks or not getting on the same page, but Maybe this year it's not just a matter of not letting it get to them and just making sure that they don't end up how 2022 ended up. Yeah, and that, that momentum is going to be key, especially with how slow they started last April. And it's it's so funny. You know, if, if any other you know fan of, a, of another team was like, listen to this, the Red Sox are hanging their hats high on, on three wins in spring training. <laughs> right, yeah. right, right, right. I'm actually, I'm actually curious. Like, what do they win if they get a great Fruit League title? Is it like some sort of incentive? There has to be something. I, I don't even know if they get a trophy or not. But besides that, uh, one guy who we haven't brought up really at all is Greg Allen went three for three, two, two doubles uh, in last night's game. You know, in my mind, I, I think the outfield is already set in terms of, you know, Rob Ruff Schneider being the fourth outfielder, obviously, you know, Yoshida, uh, Verdugo, and, you know, Kike and Duvall. But Allen just continues to show that 
depth really matters, especially going into this season. And he could be potentially that guy that could slot into an outfield position if there's some sort of injury or, or some sort of issue in the outfield. Yeah, I mean, we talked dark horse candidates the other day. Could you know? Could this guy be a dark horse candidate to get in this roster, or is he a first call up if there's an injury that he could take that place? But much like the other players that we've seen, and much like the Red Sox as a whole, this this spring training, it's nice to see him kind of come out strong and be be useful to the Red Sox team, even though it is spring training. This is what you want to see. You want these decisions to be difficult going into the regular season. You want Alex Cora to be like wow, it's going to be very difficult to leave player A and player B off the roster rather than being like, oh, man, like I guess I'll take this guy over this guy because his numbers were fairly better and we'll just go from there. Completely agree. And, you know, another guy that we brought up in in yesterday's episode and and Manuel Valdez, uh, I ended up, you know, really showcasing his power uh, in last night's matchup. And it was funny, too, because, you know, the clip starts off if you see it on Twitter. Uh, you know, you you was sort of comparing his stance to Juan Soto, which is something that you know I, I noticed last year right when they traded over for him. It pretty much looks identical. And right when you know a, a clip that you probably will see on Twitter, Dave O'Brien goes, "He is Juan Soto," and then he just hits a bomb like right after he says that. And it's just so funny how how well it ended up working out. But, you know, it's nice to see Valdez continuing to impress and showing off that hitting tool throughout uh, spring training so far. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it, it's great. It's great to see. And it's nice to, you know, it's nice to see the, the any adjustments he made and to kind of we, we knew that there was potential there. And to see it kind of come into play is is definitely very encouraging. I'm excited to see what he brings the rest of spring training. I think, I mean, it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun, and I hope that continues. And like we've we've said before, Alex Cora may have very difficult decisions to make going into his or trying to construct that 26 man roster because if all these players keep playing how they are, I don't know how he's gonna how he's going to kind of construct that roster. I don't know if there's going to be a more difficult decision than. Another, they're going to be surprises or snubs from the roster. So it's it's early, but it's a lot of fun to keep our eye on right now. And, you know, I, I, last night, I don't know about you, I, I loved that broadcast. Uh, I've really enjoyed, you know, Mike Monaco thus far over, over the first two over the first two games. But it was nice to hear, you know, Dave O'Brien and Kevin Euclid back in the booth together. And it, it just seemed like things were a lot lighter and, and a lot more. I don't know, just energetic, loose, like they were making jokes left and right. And it, it was just cool to be able to, you know, hear sort of that similar or silo, you know, Remy sort of banter of joking back and forth. You know, Eck and O'Brien did it at the end of last season as well a little bit. But, you know, I'm super excited to have Uke in the booth full season uh, with, with Dave O'Brien. Yeah, Yuke's been awesome. He started really slow last year with the spring training games. And I was like, oh, man, this sounds like he doesn't even want to be here. But <laughs> when you're calling regular season games and you get more reps and you get more comfortable with the people next to you, he's been really, really good. And I'm excited for that as well. And something that makes him you know, interesting is he's not too, too far removed from the game. So, you know, right. younger, younger generations, not to sound like I'm, you know, 80 years old or anything, but it's, you know, it's someone even like my generation who loved watching Euclid for the last or for the, for his time with the Red Sox. And, it was, it's fun to kind of get his perspective on it. And of course, Monaco, he just brings so much energy. He's so good. Obi is what he is. I think he's great. I think he's a great radio guy. He's, yeah. he's great on radio. Um, there'll never be another Eck. There'll never be another 
no Remy Orsillo kind of connection. And it's, I mean, that's going to be hard for Red Sox fans because that was so much of what made the broadcast so entertaining. But Uke does a really, really good job. Lou Merloni was amazing. And I'm excited to kind of see this, how this booth plays out. Because I would love, I know Obi's been doing this forever, but mm-hmm. I would love to see him loosen up a little bit more and maybe getting, you know, the Ukes in there, the Merlonis and even the right. Monacos and the younger people like that would maybe help him loosen up. But he is who he is. But the Reds, the three-man booth, I, I love it. I I wish Eck would come back, you know. <laughs> like I said, there's never be another Eck with all the, the colorful commentary and everything like that. But Euclid has been great. And I'm excited for the full season of him as well and to see kind of what he brings this year as well. And we've heard him come out of nowhere with, with some different nicknames. You know, he he's one of the main people that mentioned the nickname Fitzy starting off uh, last spring training. Curious to see what other potential nicknames, you know, we hear from him down the line, you know, c- could turn into permanent nicknames for some of these players. But, you know, one other thing that I thought was really cool during the broadcast is, and, and I don't know if we're going to see this in the regular season, uh, but uh, Euclid mentioned that due to the uh, strike violation because of the pitch clock, uh, Jason Veritek actually texted him sort of what, you know, that, that I guess, uh, what to write down in the scorebook of that sort of violation, obviously, since it's so new. Apparently, it's a K with a circle. But I just thought that was so interesting. I'm like, you're texting right now with Jason Veritek in, in the dugout? I would love to get sort of that <laughs> immediate commentary from Jason Veritek in the dugout between him and Yuke in the regular season in the future. Yeah, that, that should be a segment, right? Like Seriously. text between text between or text from text from tech. There we go. Perfect. I've oh named the segment. Let's let's do it. I think they need to get this in motion. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, that gives a fun, a fun inside look. I mean, obviously, that's, you know, texts are, you know, private between the, the parties, but it would just be fun to get that kind of inside look and kind of see what 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 Veritek is seeing what Euclid and everyone is kind of you know, telling him and talking to him through it. And their opinions on everything because they're right there in the game. You know, they've, they've played it. Tech is witnessing it. So it's been, that would be fun. Tech's with tech. Let's, let's, let's do it. I'm in. And I feel like at some point they have to, you know, mess with them a little bit. Like if they're doing a interview with, with Veritech, like in the middle of the game or something like that, like they've done recently, you know, you has got to call him or something like that, or he has to send him, you know, th- this crazy text that gets, you know, tech to show his personality and a little bit of a wacky reaction as well. But uh, I, I think that'd be funny too, especially if they did like, you know, interesting jokes back and forth, you know, you text like knock, knock, and then, you know, tech, tech and him go back and forth. Who's there? But uh, we're making segments to make this season even more fun for, for the Sox and for the Nesson booth. We got to start pitching this stuff. But, we got to. Let's do it. <laughs> but we're going to get more into uh, Corey Kluber's first start as well as touch on a little bit of Matt Barnes' comments uh, after joining the Marlins talking about the Sox. But before we do that, I just want to take a second to talk to you about FanDuel. So we're at the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Also, look into maybe some futures of the Sox winning the World Series, Sox making the playoffs. Those odds are probably pretty good right now. So before they get hot, maybe try and lock them in. Plus, 
FanDuel even lets you combine your bets with a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. Now, looking sort of at Corey Kluber's first start in a Red Sox uniform and in spring training, this was one that I was very intrigued to see how Kluber ultimately was able to perform. Obviously, only going two innings and not you know using his full repertoire or really putting full effort into this start, but he's going to be a critical point for this rotation, you know, probably looked at as, you know, the number two in this rotation, veteran arm, somebody who's looking to bounce back after a little bit of a struggling season last season with, with, with the Rays, but it was nice to see him go two innings, two hits and struck it out one. Yeah. It could have gone much worse, right? It could have been a disaster for Kluber, but it wasn't. And I think that his first start in spring training, his first start with the new team, it went about as good as you could have hoped. And, it's something that, you know, he needs to build toward too. So I, I do have high expectations for Kluber. We know the kind of pitcher he can be. And much like other players that have been signed to the Red Sox this offseason, it's somebody that I was like, I would have loved this move five years ago when he was yeah. in his prime or just at the peak of his kind of career. But it was, you know, no walks. I think that's always encouraging, no matter how, how small your start is. I think it's when you're not giving up walks, that's huge. The Red Sox did have a lot of issues with that last year. So it was, I, I, it was fine. I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm content with the start. I'm excited to see him go longer as this, as spring training progresses. And hopefully he can just keep building off that and translate this into, you know, four innings the next time and then six innings and hopefully get him up to speed with the Red Sox and get him on the mound. Cause this team needs, it, it needs their pitching to be, on its game its best game this this regular season and it was nice to see too that you know he did throw all of his pitches was able to work on different things that maybe he doesn't work on on a regular basis and especially in in game speed a game setting i, I think that's really critical for a lot of these guys especially you know throughout the offseason they probably do live up at bats in, in, a, in a lot of just throwing sessions but they don't get to be in that real game atmosphere have those situations in the back of their mind also be able to work with some of the new catchers that they haven't worked with, you know, in a while, obviously in, in some of these bullpen sessions that they've done early on in spring training, that's great to be able to get that rapport with the catcher, but at the same time, being able to communicate in game and get that stuff down pat prior to opening day, I think is critical as well. Yeah. I mean, you said it. it's, it's critical and that's what's going to be really important going, going the rest of the way in spring training to get, you know, get your stuff sorted out, get your, your pitches ready, get your, your mind right, because this is a big, big year for pitchers. I mean, we don't, we don't know what we're going to get from a lot of these guys and he's one of them. So I'm excited to see how, how the rest of the spring training goes for him, where he kind of ends up in the rotation as well, because that opening day starter is anyone's it's up for grabs. It's not just automatically Chris sales. So we could see Corey Kluber on the mound opening day. That'd be wild. I think it's, at the end of the day, I think Chris Sale will be the, you know, the, the favorite, so to say, to get that. But if he if Kluber keeps impressing, I'm excited to see where he'll end up in this five man rotation, six man rotation, whatever they decide to go with. So uh, good for Kluber. It's, it's a good it's a good start. It's a positive start. And hopefully it just keeps going in, in this direction for him. 
And another aspect that he brought up, and this is one thing that I, I hadn't fully thought about, is just getting back into that five-day routine. You know, yeah. that, that's one thing, you know, it, it sort of goes into my last point of just getting back in the swing of things. But, you know, that's one thing that you don't always think about that's critical for some of these pitchers is just being able to get in that five-day cycle, being able to, you know, get back in that mindset of knowing that you have to get the ball the fifth day and be on your A game. And also to be able to get back into your recovery sort of routine and everything like that. And, you know, one thing that I, I just thought about that I'm, I'm curious to see is, you know, obviously we've we heard last year Nathan Avaldi being a sort of mentor for Brian Bayo, obviously Pedro as well. But, you know, I think now having some veteran guys like Paxton, Sale and Kluber in the rotation with with even guys like Pavetta, who are, are seasoned, but like might not know everything. You know what I mean? And so, like, they have that experience of being dominant on the mound when it matters most. And I, I feel like Whitlock is another guy that you could throw into that barrel of somebody who could learn a lot from some of these, you know, seasoned veterans. Yeah, I mean, that's – I feel like you can never have too many veterans on the the team. So I think that that's always good and it's always a positive thing. And when you have people who have been, you know, in Cy Young conversations, who have been – in been good enough to be considered for those kinds of conversations is always a, a positive thing. And someone like Bayo, I mean, yes, he's working with Pedro. Like that's, that's an incredible mentor. I feel like if you're, you're working with Pedro, you're set for life. But when you have someone in game, maybe you can go to, and you have somebody that you can talk to. And you talked about, you know, that five day routine. And we've talked to pitchers on the show where, you know, kind of going back from starter to reliever, like how does that kind of mess up your mental game? And it's the, it's the mm. preparation. It's the, the right. not knowing, you know, am I going to prepare to be a reliever? Cause my, my pr preparation is very different from being a starter to being a reliever. So not that I don't think Kluber has that, you know, he doesn't have that to worry about, but getting into that routine is just so crucial for him, for any pitcher. And especially, you know, the guys like, like Tanner Houck and Garrett Whitlock, when he gets back to, you know, being prepared to get, uh, get back with his team, you wonder you know, if they're preparing right now to be starters. And was that, is that going to change? Is that going to change, you know, tomorrow? Are they going to have a decision in two weeks where Alex Cora says, you know what, Tanner Houck, you should go in the bullpen or Whitlock, I know we talked about you being a starter, but let's start you in the bullpen and let's just, you know, let's keep you in the bullpen and which would be music to my ears, but it makes you wonder, you know, how they're preparing now. Is this going to change when, when the season starts? Because we, like I said, we've talked to these pitchers where they say that it's, it's difficult to not really know what your role is because then your routine is all sorts of messed up. Right. Exactly. And we, we've talked about those defined roles. And I, I think especially being able to get those down pat early on is so critical just for these guys mentally preparing, physically preparing. Obviously, we, we saw how that hindered, you know, Whitlock and, and Hauk as well. And, you know, when I had Jim McCaffrey on two days ago, uh, I, I, allude, I alluded to potentially Whitlock's injury being due to that uh, being thrown into being a starter and only working up to being a bullpen arm. And, you know, she sort of agreed with me that that definitely could have played a factor into it. So I think that's something that, you know, they definitely got to keep in their mind, but you know, we don't make the decisions the Sox do. So, we do not. and that, that's, that, you know, brings us to our, to our next, you know, conversation point of conversation is you know one player that we were surprised more than than any and you know we we got you know an instant reaction right right on on this show was when Matt Barnes got DFA'd and you know he he spoke uh 
for the second time. I, I was going to say the first time, but he spoke on, uh, you know, Jared Caravis's podcast about the whole situation. But, you know, really speaking to, you know, uh, Miami or Boston media, specifically about the Red Sox, he said, I'm not mad and don't have any animosity towards the Red Sox organization because that organization represents so much more than who's currently running it. The people at the top were so great to me. And I thought that, you know, the the part of that quote that was interesting and that a lot of people are pointing at is that the organization represents much more than who's running it. And a lot of people were like, is that a slight at high Bloom? But at the same time, Bloom's the one who dished out the money to him for an extension. Well, that's the thing. Like he got the extension from High and Bloom, and you know it's been reported out there that High and Bloom was a big fan of Matt Barnes, and it was no surprise that he was the one who got that extension when he did. So it doesn't. I mean, I'm taking this as you know he's like he's he doesn't have any animosity. It is what it is, and he's getting an opportunity now with a new team. But people are saying you know it's not a good look for Barnes. It's this and that. His time with the Red Sox is over. And it makes you wonder, like, is he the only one who kind of feels that way where it's the organization is represented by more than who's running it? And yes, it could it could be a slight at High and Bloom because and the the ownership, because you know he was DFA. He was ultimately, you know, he was supposed to be the closer of this team. And they just you know, we've talked about that a lot. He just couldn't get it together after being so dominant. But, you know, he's he's saying how he feels. And I wonder if others feel that way in that clubhouse that that are currently in the clubhouse. But I mean, whatever, he's, he's gone now and he can speak whatever he can speak his mind and right. he can be mad about, you know, not being part of a team that he, that he helped in 2021 that has, you know, gave him that extension, gave him the chance. And I, I mean, I'd feel the type of way too, if I, if I were him, but I don't, I don't think it's a necessarily a slight at high and bloom. I just think it's a, maybe a shot at ownership in general and just everyone who's, you know, he, I know he said the people at the top were good to me, but you know, it's it's hard to kind of separate you know, who's running it, the people at the top, like right. Like I, I know I get what he's saying, but it maybe I, I doesn't said, I would have said give me your hierarchy. Right. Who's at right. the who's at the top and who are you talking about that runs the organization? Right. Like one through ten, go. Or like <laughs> on a scale of one through ten. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like I said, he's he's gone now from the organization, grateful for his time here and what he was able to do when he did it. So I mean, it is what it is. He's the Marlins and the Red Sox play this summer. So that'll be fun to see if he gets the opportunity to pitch and kind of his whole season as a whole. Like, Is he going to be able to kind of reinvent himself in Miami? I hope so. And, you know, I, I think a lot of these uh, sort of initial comments right after a player gets traded or gets DFA sort of a Matt Barnes's situation. There's a lot of overanalyzation of every single word of some of these quotes, trying to find a way to spin it maybe in a negative way or point at a certain guy like Haim Boom. Maybe he's, you know, sliding him and sort of pin people together. But I, I feel like, you know, this is just the reality of it. We're never going to know exactly who, you know, potentially Matt Barnes was sliding or who he wasn't. You know what I mean? That's that's just up for assumption. And Matt Barnes is the only person who could who you know, could ultimately obviously tell us that. And, you know, one thing that I also thought about as well is, you know, a lot of times we look at the people who are running it as, as just specifically one name in high and bloom, but John Henry, I, I think said it best. And, and there's not a lot of times where, where we quote him on here, but he said, uh, he said, the baseball operations department in general, it isn't just high and bloom, you know, it, it's, it's a full collective sort of group. And, you know, th there's not only the, the, main four people who are at the top of, of the base head of baseball operations. Obviously Heim Bloom is the chief baseball operator and officer, excuse me. And he's the one who 
gets looked at for all these different decisions and vetoes and agrees or, or accepts. But at the same time, I feel like it's not specifically talking about one specific person and, you know, we'll, we'll never fully know who, who he's talking about. But I did think it was interesting that, uh, you know, two days ago he had the option to go home before the Marlins played the Red Sox and he took it. He said that I'm not going to stick around for the game against the Sox. I'll be buddy, buddy when we play them in June. I thought that was interesting for myself. I would have gotten out of the way early on in spring training when things are a little bit loose, when things don't matter rather than in the smack dab of the regular season. But maybe you want some time to, just be able to let the air clear and not allow any of the drama or the BS to sort of, you know, get in the middle of him being buddy, buddy or reconvening with some of his favorite teammates. Yeah. I have no issue with it. He wanted to go home. He wanted to do whatever, be with his, with his wife, his family and get ready for the next day of spring training. Good for him. You know, people love saying baseball is a business and that's it. He, he was done for the day and he went home. So that's, that's what I do. I'm done for the day. I go home and I do what I have to do at home and, get ready for the next day. So, I mean, he'll see them in June. Like he said, I'm sure he still has relationships with other players on the Red Sox organization, but that's not his team anymore. And he's going to put you know, himself first and get himself prepared to bounce back with the Marlins and hopefully give them a, a serviceable pitcher. But, you know, he said it, he'll see them in June and you know, this is, this is work. Work is work, leave work at work and he'll see them over the summer and catch up with them then. Yeah, I agree. And, and you know, it, it's always so easy just to look into these sort of different things and make your different assumptions. But, you you know, you brought it up with, uh, you know, baseball being a business and just, you know, packing up when you want to. I don't know if you saw uh, it was the Orioles and Pirates game. I don't know if you saw that game at all. Uh, it was it was two days ago. Uh, and essentially what ended up happening was going into the bottom of the ninth. Uh, it was deemed as final. And then the umpires just like were like, okay, with just ending the game there. We're walking off the field. And the Orioles and Pirates ended up still playing the bottom of yep. the night. <laughs> and the and the announcers were calling balls and strikes. And I I, I saw this from Jared Carabas tweeting it, but all I thought is the game should just be played like this all the time. This is fun to watch. I say that that's fun, right? And it just kind of shows too, like you can have this kind of fun in spring training. It's loose and people just want to play. And, you know, that's, it's a lot of fun and baseball's fun at the end of the day. And these, this is their, no, this, this is their job. This is the player's jobs that they do for a living. So you have to make it fun while you can, can't do that in the regular season. It'd be awesome if you yeah, could, but awesome. yeah, that's the kind of stuff you just like to see. It's just, it's fun. It's loose. And it just kind of brings a good vibe to spring training. Cause you know, like we've said a hundred times, these games don't matter. So just let, let, let the kids have fun. And the other thing too is, you know, you got to hear the the announcers, you know, strike calls, ball calls, you know, strike three calls. Right. I, I was I was an umpire, you know, ten some odd years ago when I was younger, and I always tried to emulate the strike three or like have all these like crazy different strike three calls because you always see some guys like spin around. Everybody has their different little thing with the, with the strike three, but it'd be fun to do that if if I was if I was an announcer in that situation and I got that opportunity. It's a it's a once in a lifetime thing to be the umpire and also the announcer of a game. Uh, oh yeah, you gotta have fun with it. You gotta you gotta do what you gotta do and make sure that as much as they're having fun on the field, that you're having fun, you know, bringing this kind of product to fans. And maybe that's how somebody you get somebody enamored with baseball. Maybe that's just True. some and something like you said, maybe a once in a lifetime thing. So just have fun with it, and you get to act as umpire, broadcaster, color commentator. So I, I love when I love when fun is being had. 
and we're going to continue to be having fun on this podcast speaking about uh the Sox, you know, leading up to the season. And one thing to look forward to over the next few days, Thursday, Tanner Houck is going to be on the rubber. Then we see James Paxton for the first time in a Red Sox uniform pitch off of the mound on Friday. I'll actually be at that game. So I'm going to be you know, overanalyzing everything, but uh, I'm, I'm going to be able to give you, I guess, firsthand sort of uh, comments from, from what I saw from James Paxton when, when he takes the rubber. But it was nice to also hear what Alex Cora sort of said about Paxton saying, you know, he's a ball player now. You know, we, we don't talk about his elbow or, or his arm or anything like that. It's only baseball talk. He's right where he needs to be right now. Exactly. That's the thing. Like he's, He's here. He's here now. And what we're going to focus on is getting him ready for opening day and getting him you know, prepared to be a player for the Boston Red Sox. Yes, of course, we're going to sit here and wonder how his injuries will impact him, if he'll be able to bounce back. But it's now it's just a matter of let's past is the past. We're focused on 2023 and let's see what he can do. Exactly. And, you know, I'm super excited to, you know, be down in the Fort Myers atmosphere, be able to, you know, feel that Red Sox are back type of energy outside of, you know, just feeling that energy through my phone. But I'm going to do my best while I'm down there to bring that energy through the microphone and, and through this podcast to help give you some glimpse. Maybe I won't be able to, you know, exude some warmth from from being down in Florida, but I'll try my best. You know, maybe I'll talk to some scientists, see if we can make that happen through a phone or a screen or something like that. But we're going to continue to keep you posted about everything that's going on about the Sox five days a week. So make sure to subscribe on YouTube or whatever audio platform that you listen to. We greatly appreciate you making Locked On Red Sox your first listen of every single day. Now make your second listen and check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. Win your league by listening to Matt and Dom every day as they bring you the best fantasy draft strategies. Find Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts and over on YouTube. Also, make sure to follow us over on Twitter. It's LO underscore Red Sox. Myself, it's at Jake Iggy. And also, Lauren, it's La La La. Three laws, Lauren with four R's. But we hope that everybody has a great rest of their week. Also, a great weekend as well. We'll talk to you guys later. We'll end it how we always end it. Keep the faith, and let's go Sox. Peace.